to the Pope on Film! I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. This is episode 419 of the podcast, now in our seventh year. If you can believe that, that's crazy. But yes, here we are. Not only is this episode 419, which is one episode short of being one of of being a very, very exciting number, but also it's we're recording this on Woodmas, which I am very excited about. So happy Woodmas, Bunny. Happy Woodmas. Happy this Woodmas, is Wood- Woodmas to all. Happy Woodmas to all. This is Woodmas. It's Edward's birthday. I'm really excited to be doing this episode. The edibles uh, have kicked in, kicked in about 10 minutes ago. So very excited to be doing this episode. Uh, A little bit out of it, but that's fine. Uh, This is going to be a bit of a short episode because my wife is gone on a trip and it will be a long trip, but we'll get to that later. Anyway, I would like to start off this episode of the Pope on Film podcast as I start every episode by singing a soft rock song from the 70s. Yes. Now, I've picked one of my favorites to sing at this juncture. I'm very excited about it. And here we go. I'm not talking about moving in. And I don't want to change your life But there's a cold wind blowing the stars around And I'd really like to fist fuck your wife Thank you. Thank you. It never ceases to choke me up. Yeah, it's it's an amazing song. It's an amazing song. Uh, so yeah, we've got an exciting episode of the podcast. We're going to be learning a, a bit of a, a foreign language. We're going to be talking about uh, some new movie reviews. I have got a short but important chap about a <coughs> goddamn national treasure. All right. And when we get to this week's movie, I've got, I've got a, I've got a. A tribute to the action scene coordinator and uh, a bit of a list for this week's movie. It's going to be an exciting episode, so hey, let's get to it! Uh, Buddy! Yes! I was having a real hard time coming up with an opener for this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, and then... Who came around to help me out? Finland! Finland? Yes, Finland! A land of Finns! Yes. Hence the name. <coughs> Finland! A land, a country run predominantly by women, which is probably why you never hear about Finland uh, doing a bunch of crazy shit on the news. Because women... Run shit right. Yes. 
Fun fact, Finnish people are by and large so socially awkward, but they do love to drink and they do love to party. And here's a not so fun fact. The Finnish Air Force's official symbol, their emblem, their flag, their etc. They had a swastika in their flag up until 2020. Really? Yes! The fuck is wrong with Finland? I'm so confused. That's an absolute fact. But anyway, uh, so what the fuck is up with Finland? Am I right? What is up with Finland? Yeah, I mean, like, how do you just not notice that for, I don't know, what, 60 years? I don't know. Well, let me tell you about something, Bunny. Uh, in 2016, Finland gave us the word uh, H-Y-G-G-E, which is pronounced Huga, apparently. H-Y-G-G-E. And Huga is a <coughs> Danish word for the idea, the concept of having comfort and finding coziness in your everyday life. And in 2016, 2017, 2018, Huga... H-Y-G-E-E, Huga, was everywhere. Uh, cookbooks, on talk shows, and self-help books all over the place. I was working at the bookstore at the time, and then, you know, one day I blink, and we have an entire end cap displayed just about Huga. And I'm like, what's H-Y-G-E-E? What's H-Y-G-G-E? I have never heard of this before. So uh, that Huga stuff is fine for white women named Rebecca with two Ks and women who just love fall and wear pumpkin spice-flavored butt plugs and whatever, but what about the rest of us, huh? Yes. What, what about the blue-collar Joes? What about the factory <coughs> workers? What about the common man, which this podcast has always been a champion of? What about the rest of us? Where's our strange Finnish word that we can base our entire lives around? Well, just in time. Do you have for a couple? A, oh, I've got one. And this is 100% real. This isn't a list. This isn't a bit. This is 100% real. <coughs> uh, just in time for a deadly global pandemic, may I present to you your new favorite. Uh, word from Finland. Kalsuri Kanet. And there it is right there. As you can see, I yes, made it, it into a beautiful 80s looking graphic. K-A-L-S-A-R-I-K-A-N-N-I-T. It's pronounced Kalsari Kanet. And it is defined in Finnish. It's this is a f word from Finland, and it has been defined literally. Not by me, not by somebody being funny. This is the official definition of the word, kalsarikanit. It is defined as, quote, the feeling when you are going to get drunk at home alone in your underwear with no intention of going out of the house. There we go. Someone finally understands.
stands. Yes. I feel seen. Finally, I have a voice. Yes. Yes, Pele. I do feel held. He does feel like home. Finally, someone understands. Especially after 2020 and a good portion of 2021. Cal, sorry, cunit. The feeling when you are going to get drunk at home alone in your underwear with no intention of going out of the house. That is the word for 2020. That is the word for 2021. And that might be the word for 2022 because the fucking dumbass Republicans refuse to get vaccinated. The Republicans are like, there's gonna be a civil war coming. And I'm like, excuse me, the only civil war that's happening right now is between you and science and you're fucking losing. Yes. But uh, this word has brought me so much joy this week. Cal sorry cunit. It is also known literally as pants drunk. And it's basically my life right now. Pants drunk. Pants drunk, yes. This is an actual term from Finland. Cal sorry cunit, also known as pants drunk. The feeling when you're gonna get drunk at home alone in your underwear. That's basically that's basically every other weekend for me. Yes. So, I love this word. This is my new favorite word. It's the greatest word ever. Base your whole life around it. Kalsari Kunit. When you're going to get drunk at home alone in your underwear. I, I, I love this. You probably can't tell because I, uh, I hide it so well. But uh, I absolutely love this. So much. This is my new life. Just, just period. So, are you excited, Bunny, about Kalsari Kunit? I am. I am very excited. Uh, I, I would rather shift the drinking to smoking, but that's, that works that's too. Just a quibble. Yeah, it's just a quibble. I like that word, quibble. I am very high right now. Extremely oh, high. So that's exciting, but we're gonna power through it. So yes, Cal Sari Kanit. Uh it's sweeping the nation. It's sweeping the world because it's a deadly pandemic that's happening right now. But anyway. Uh yeah, cut cut on that segment. Buddy! Yes. So I have the AMC A-List, and what that is is a subscription service where for $19.95 a month, I get free, three free movie tickets a week. And from December 2018 to March 2020, I saw 177 showings in 66 weeks, which I think is pretty freaking impressive. Then the pandemic screwed out all of that up, but now movies are back. And so it's time once again for another installment of Steve Stubbs of the Week! Da, 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 da. That was nice. That was nice. I liked that. So this installment of Steve Stubbs represents my 15 week, my 15th week back in theaters. And in that time, I have seen 27 movies in theaters. I saw 
only one movie in theaters this week because my wife is currently in New York, but uh, we'll get to that in Act 2 of the podcast. But uh, I still have two movies to talk about. This past week, I saw the following movie in theaters. Venom 2, The First Assignment. Okay, I have been hearing mixed reviews on this one. Hold on, I'm not done. Go ahead. Venom 2, Judgment Day. Yeah. Hold on, I'm not done. Venom 2, The Two Towers. Yeah. Uh, that, that one has Smeagol in it. Uh, but also, someone sent me a cam bootleg of a movie, and, uh, number one, I had forgotten that, uh, cam bootlegs were a thing. Yeah. Because, um, movie theaters were closed for so long, there were no people that were doing shaky filming of the movie. Uh, but this... This uh, cam bootleg was quite good condition. It's uh, the Oscar bait movie, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. So we will be discussing this new movie, which is uh, in a limited run right now in theaters. Yeah. I think literally it's it's award bait material. Uh, but yes. So first, let's discuss the movie. So those are the two movies this week. First, let's discuss the movie that I did not see in theaters. And that is The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Right uh, off the bat, that title is hysterical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first off, it's directed by Michael Showalter? Yeah. He was a member of The State. He also <coughs> was a member of Stella. And he was the star <coughs> of Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah. Really... I didn't know he was directing films, but apparently he directed The Eyes of Tammy Faye. He, he, Jessica Chastain's performance as Tammy Faye Baker is amazing. She knocks it out of the park. She is wonderful in this. She deserves all the acting awards, and I'm sure when uh, award season comes along that she will win a number of awards. Uh, that being said... There, there's nothing new to this film. The problem that I have with this movie is that this is a movie based on a documentary they did about Tammy Faye Baker when she was still alive, and the documentary is also called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah. So, like, you didn't even change the name of the movie. So there are two movies called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. One that's acted and one that's a documentary. But the documentary was made by some hardcore Tammy Faye fanboys. Really? Yeah. Who did appear, because Tammy Faye, because of her makeup and the way she presented herself and her singing, Tammy Faye got a big gay following. And also, while everyone else, all the other, like, Christians were uh, attacking gays and homosexuals and liberals and the evils of the left in Hollywood. She was embracing gay people and uh, embracing people with AIDS. And so she has a huge gay following. And so 
Uh, they made the documentary okay, okay, about okay, it. Okay, 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 okay. Time. All right? Some people you don't want to be embraced by. Yep. You know, and Tammy Faye is one of them. I don't care if... Uh, unless she has given millions and millions and millions of dollars to gay causes, I don't fucking care. Her embrace is worthless and meaningless. It's like being embraced by Boogerman. Yeah. Oh my god, we've only been doing this podcast for 19 minutes? God damn. What? I just saw the timer on Twitch, and it says we've been doing this for 19 minutes. It feels like it's been so much longer. I am very high. Oh. I'm extremely high right now. That's why I'm yeah. glad I wrote everything down. That brings me comfort. Okay, so Tammy, they made a documentary about Tammy Faye, by, and it was made by these Tammy Faye fanboys because she has a huge gay following, a huge cult following, a, a kitschy following, a cult celebrity following. She's basically like a religious Gary Coleman, you know, or David Hasselhoff, but of the religious sect. Yes. And she has a big drag following because the way that she always looked. And so... This is a movie based on a documentary that is overly favorable towards Tammy Faye Baker. Yeah. So this movie feels very one-sided, and the movie comes off as, oh, Tammy Faye Baker, an amazing woman and a hero who was led astray by all of these horrible people, including her own husband, and it's like, I kind of feel like this is... It's like when you see Jesus no, Christ. No, it's total bullshit. You were standing the, there the whole fucking time. You were yeah. just as guilty. You know, yeah. Tammy Faye or Melania Trump, take your fucking pick. They're not innocent. It's, Ava Braun like, was not innocent. So so this is so this is the story of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker from the point of view of Tammy Faye Baker and it just doesn't seem like I don't know if I can trust this movie it, 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 the way that it feels is a religious sort of lolita you know cuz the guy narrating it you know is, is spending the entire movie being an unreliable narrator trying to explain to you that what he did with an underage little girl was totally fine. Yeah. So, like, you can't fully believe the series of events that you're seeing. It's like watching Jesus Christ Superstar, and G it, it's the Bible from the point of view to, of Judas. And Judas is there going, hey... Jesus, why are you making me do this to you? I don't want to do this. Please stop. I'm innocent. You know? Well, it actually reminds me of the movie Kiss of the Spider Woman. Have you ever seen Kiss uh, of the Spider Woman? Yes. I yeah. was very upset that Jessica Drew wasn't in it at all. 
William Hurt and Raul Julia are political prisoners. Well, close enough, because I want to say it quick. And to pass the time, William Hurt is telling Raul Julia about this movie that he had seen that he absolutely loved. Yeah. And it's just so beautiful and romantic and all that. And they go through different scenes of him telling them about this movie until Raul Julia is all of a sudden like, wait a second. This is a Nazi propaganda movie, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, and William Hurt is all like, oh, I, I, I don't bother with the politics or whatever. It's just so beautiful and romantic. That's what this reminds me of. Like, like they're going to completely blow off the kind of monster Tammy Faye Baker was. Yeah. Yeah. Because they like her makeup. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so, so the and whole movie... And she didn't out and out show that she hates them. Yeah. This So the whole movie feels sort of uneven and biased, but... It's worth seeing it alone just for Jessica Chastain's performance. It's absolutely amazing. She does a wonderful job in the film. Regardless of how biased the movie seems, uh, the acting is, is really great. And uh, I didn't think he looked like him, but uh, Jim Baker is portrayed by Andrew Garfield, everyone's uh, least favorite Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, next to the director of Lancer. Yeah. I think people remember him, but uh, he does a really good job too. Uh, the acting is great. The movie just feels a bit forced. And while you were talking about Kiss of the Spider Woman, John Hurt, that'd be a great wrestler name. Yeah. William and I'm not Hurt? I'm sure if that's his name because there are a lot of them. I, I, yeah. There are John Hurts and and there are a lot of there are a lot of hurting actors in Hollywood and I can't keep track of them all. Yeah. John. They so, are, as far as I'm concerned, they are all John Hurt. Yeah. Yeah. We are grouped. And finally, the Steve Stubbs pick of the week is Venom Two: The Winter Soldier. Okay. Hold on. Venom 2, the new batch. This time there's a talking gremlin. <laughs> Venom 2, the spy who shagged me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got some more. Uh, Venom 2, the wrath of Khan. Venom 2, the golden army. Venom 2, to Ven, to Om. And my favorite one, Venom 2, ghost protocol. Yes. I think that's like the fourth or fifth one, but I just I just like that one. Well, one thing oh, that I oh, learned... Oh, 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 you, you also forgot. Venom 2, Venom Saves Christmas. Ooh, that's a nice one. The day Venom Saved Christmas. Crap, dang it, that sucks! Okay. Uh, so one thing that I learned this week with uh, a lot of people talking about Venom... Um, Everyone who I know who has seen Venom and the majority of people on Twitter that I've seen talking about Venom has said the exact same thing, that no one remembers the first film. Okay. 
everyone has said the same thing. I'm really excited to see uh, Venom 2. I saw the first one. Don't know what it was about, but can't wait to see the new one. Yeah. Like, I heard that, like, 30 <coughs> times these past, like, two weeks, and that's weird. I remember the first Venom. I thought it was just okay, but the relationship dynamic between Eddie Brock and the Venom symbiote is is just great. Like an old married couple, and the sequel, Venom 2, uh, Get Venomier, is uh, they really double down on that relationship dynamic. Yeah. Uh, there's a great scene where, where Venom finally leaves Eddie Brock and um, goes, in, goes to this party, and it's a costume party, and so it's just the Venom symbiote just being all big and tall, and everyone at the party is like, oh, my goodness, that's an amazing costume. We love it. It's like a rave. And it might be a gay rave because uh, it, Venom feels so happy and embraced there that he, he goes up on stage and grabs the microphone and starts talking about, like, I never needed Eddie. He, he held me down. He held me back. He put me in a closet, and I won't be in the closet anymore. And everyone's cheering, and it's like, oh, shit. This is literally a married couple relationship between Eddie and Venom. And yeah. it, it, that's the, that is such a good, they, they do that so well that the rest of the movie I didn't give a shit about. The relationship dynamic between Eddie and Venom, the literal relationship dynamic between those two is so fucking good that like the rest yeah. of it could have, the rest of it could have just been shit. It was just, it was, it was fun. It yeah, was really, really dumb cool. fun. There was, there was only one thing I didn't like about the movie. Uh, Cletus Cassidy is a serial killer played by Woody Harrelson. Let me walk that by you again. Woody Harrelson is playing a serial killer. Again! Yeah. And it really gave me some bad fucking vibes because, like, I don't know if Woody Harrelson is that great of an actor... He's just doing Mickey again. Yeah. This is just Mickey and Mallory knocks without Mallory, and now it's in a superhero movie. And it gave me some real creepy uh, flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I like did not. Just the way that he talks, the way he presents himself, and eventually he breaks out of jail. And what does he do? He finds like a red Porsche and he dresses up and he's listening to rock music driving down the highway with his girl. I love you, baby. I'm going to fucking make out with you while we're driving. And it's like, shit, I have seen this before. Yeah. It's fucking weird to see uh, Venom 2 take so much from natural born killers. And uh, I'd hate to say this, but I uh, it, it like I remember liking Natural Born Killers when it came out, but now, like, if you say I'm a big Natural Born Killers fan, I'm also going to assume you're a big fan of Jared Leto's Joker. <laughs> so, okay. if you say you're a Natural Born <coughs> Killers fan, either you're a real big like horror movie buff and like 
you own a copy of a Serbian film somewhere, or you own a lot of shirts with Punisher logos on them. I, I, I like it in a very proto-Tarantino way. Yeah. You know? But I also haven't seen it in a really long time, so like, I have, obviously I, I don't yeah. love it. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it this, uh, this decade. I don't think I've seen it in the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, the soundtrack was amazing. A bit too heavy on the samples of dialogue from the film, if I recall. Yeah. But, but the soundtrack was really, really good. But Venom but you know, 2... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, like, I kind of forgive that the way I forgive so many people in bad movie groups on Facebook who are like, Hey, guys! Anybody ever hear of Buckaroo Banzai? <laughs> you know, like, okay, they're new. They're probably really young. You know... Let them, let them go. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't heard anyone talk about Birdemic yet, and it's like, okay, yes, yes, yeah. we, yes, we have seen that. Can we please move on? Yes. What are your thoughts on Tommy Wiseau? Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh -huh. Yep. But Venom. The problem but then you, that but then I you get, then you get some of the people on the other side, like, oh, lately I've really been into the into the movies of Sudanese director Makaya Mabubu. Yeah. Like okay. <laughs> yeah. All no, right. none of us have seen that. <laughs> yeah. Okay then. But the the problem that I have with Venom Two apart from the Natural Born Killers flashbacks, is the fact that the, the mid-credits the mid-credits sequence, the end-credits sequence, it, the end-credits sequence is such a big deal that it's all anyone wants to talk about. Really? Yeah, it's, it's a really big deal, and it ties in with everything. And it's such a big... Wolverine was, Wolverine was sucking Mephisto's cock. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It, the, the end credit sequence is such a big deal that people don't want to talk about just the movie. And, and the movie is good. It, it blew me away. Finally, at the end, when v Venom and Carnage are fighting, and they're fighting in, like, an abandoned church, like, very John Wooian. Uh, you know, you know, uh, that's Ric Flair's favorite director. Yeah. John Woo! Oh, God. So, I just came up with that. I'm really proud of that. So, when I was seeing Venom and Carnage fight, I reverted back to like a 16 year old in the 90s yeah and it just blew my mind that like if 14 year old me was told that I would live long enough to see Venom and Carnage fight in a big budget live action Hollywood movie I wouldn't have fucking believed you 
Yeah. You know, the fact that like, it, it, and I really started thinking about it. The fact that like, when you are in your forties, Steve, going to like 12 year old me, if you, when you are in your forties, Steve, everyone will know who spider ham is. Yes. It's like, fucking really? It's like, yes, everyone will know who the Winter Soldier is. He'll get his own movie and then his own TV show where he's fixing a lobster boat. Yes. Fucking what? Loki will get his own TV show where he's D.B. Cooper. And he's Doctor Whoing all over the fucking place, and yes. everyone will love it. It, it. it really is just a fascinating time. The fact that, like, Venom got his own movie and got a sequel and will appear in at least one more film, like, it's, it, it's worth it to see this movie. I, I, like, I was watching Venom. And, like, 12-year-old me just appeared in the theater, and it's like, holy fucking shit, we're watching a Venom versus Carnage fight. This is a big-ass deal. And you know who's in the film? Fucking Tommy from Snatch. Yeah. He was also, he was also in one of those biopics, either Bohemian Rhapsody or fucking uh, the Elton John one. I don't remember which one, but one of those. Oh, he was also, I think, in two of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Anyway, I I was shocked. No one told me that Tommy from Snatch was in Venom 2, Electric Boogaloo. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. Everyone has to see it for the end credits alone. It's a big-ass deal, the end credits. I've I've heard criticism of it, but, like, again, Venom's just not... not, he, He is after my time. So yeah. I do not relate to Venom as well. I mean, I thought yeah. the first movie was interesting. I don't really remember what the fuck it was about either. Yeah, everybody. Everybody says that. It's fascinating. Yeah. Everyone says the exact same thing about Venom, the first Venom movie, and it's weird. I remember Jenny Slate was in it, and that was fucking weird. Like, like what is... What is "Don't Be Suspicious" doing in this movie? But but uh, it, it was it was a good film. It was a decent film. Venom too. They doubled down on the relationship aspect between Venom and Eddie Brock, and it's so amazing and adorable and cute that that alone is worth going to see the movie. That in the end credit sequence. If you're a big fan of Natural Born Killers, here's a sequel. Yeah. So, but I uh, do watch Comic Explained, so I know that. You really can't swing a dead cat without hitting a symbiote somewhere anymore. Yeah. Yeah. There are like millions of them. Yeah. A lot. Uh so so that's that's it for Steve Stubbs this week. I'm so hot. So that's it for Steve Stubbs this week. I'm not sure if there's going to be a Steve Stubbs this week, because usually I go see movies on Monday and Thursday. But my wife is going to be gone for a while. Yeah. There in New York in Schenectady? <coughs> I think I Schenectady. It. Very good. Yes. Okay. So I don't know when I'm going to be seeing movies again, but we'll jump off that bridge when we get to it. So uh, join us for whenever 
the next installment is of Steve Stubbs of the Week! And cut on that. Buddy! Yes! We still have a whole episode to get to. We have Bunny Versus, our freeform segment. I'm going to be talking about my wife's New York trip and my week. And uh, the weather is starting to get rough. We'll be talking about that. Shap is a short but important one about a goddamn national treasure, a hero that very few people are talking about. And we need to shine a light, a a spotlight on this hero. And uh, this week's movie is the 1973 film Westworld. We're going to be talking about this 1973 movie. We're going to be talking about the sequel. We're going to be talking about the HBO TV show. I've got a list. And we're going to be doing a tribute to the action scene coordinator. Uh, (laughs) And the way that Yul Brenner walks. Okay. He has a stick up his asshole. Yes, he does. That is how he walks. And it has, in turn, uh, been reflected in a lot of ways that a lot of other very popular characters in history have also walked. But we'll get to all of that. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Yes, I agree. We will be right back with more of the Popon Phil after this. Do 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 happy witness. Do 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 skiddy bop a doo wow and break.
What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song. I will try not to sing out of key. Oh, baby,
I'll show you the tool that's most important for our survival. A fair warning. It's my penis. You are about to witness a new dimension in entertainment. Peter Lemongello. Oh, I could have been a million things. Peter Lemongello. A mood rock experience called Love 76. Yes, Peter Lemongello has created a new kind of music that's both romantic and moving. Just listen. In this two-album package, Love 76, you'll experience all the warmth and tenderness living in the heart of Peter Lemongello, plus the excitement that is Peter Lemongello on stage. That's 586-7700. Or save COD charges and send $698 for records or $898 for 8-track tape to Love 76, Box R7, Gracie Station, New York, New York, 128. Say the secret void and you get to come back next week. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Bunny. Yes. Are you ready for another exciting, pulse-pounding, butt-slapping installment of Funny Verses, everyone's favorite podcast segment? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you primed? Are you hyped? Are you psyched? Are you revved up and ready to go? Are you ready, Bunny? Are you ready? Yes. Yes, well, I then, am. Without any, without any further ado, Inky's up for the classy stuff. It's time once again for Bunny Versus. And now here is your host, Andy Williams. Take it away, buddy. So, Facebook. Fucking <laughs> Facebook. Uh, did yeah. you survive? Did you survive the the 
21 the 2021 crash of Facebook I I I only go on Facebook uh, nowadays to primarily to uh, promote either my story time uh, or the podcast uh, the only time I will ever n- not advertise myself is uh, when I post a video on my post a picture on my stories yeah I've been trying to post pictures of myself in dresses on my Facebook story just just to as an exercise in coming out as a male leaning person gender fluid individual yes i i just feel that it's important for me to be out and let people know that hey sometimes i wear dresses and it's not a big deal but but yeah uh facebook and instagram were down uh coincidentally the same time that uh a a whistleblower was coming out with damning information b uh a rumor got around that there was a big data breach and people were selling uh they were selling information on the dark web and see the day that facebook and instagram and whatever went down was the same day that facebook owed a bunch of uh business information to the u.s government as part of an investigation so yeah what a strange coinky dink that all of those things would happen when facebook and instagram were down yeah 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 First off, full disclosure, I never look at people's stories. Uh, yeah, I know. It shows me who sees them. I know I know you post them. Like, sometimes I accidentally hit one, and I'm reminded by why I never look at stories. Because it pops up, and I'm looking at it, and I'm trying to... And I don't see so great these days. And I'm trying to figure out what it is that just popped up, and then it slides away. You can pause them. There is a pause button on the top. And it slides you... away to somebody else's story. Yeah. Like no, I no. So 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 I keep away. I don't do the my stories. Yeah, that's oh, fine. I'm getting old. <laughs> yeah. Aren't we all, except for, uh, 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 who isn't aging right now? Ant-Man. Ant-Man's not aging. Ant-Man What's his name? Paul Rudd. Yeah. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Paul yeah, Rudd. No, 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 he is not. But come on, Keanu Reeves is getting a bit rough around the fucking edges these days. Yeah, he is. Can't wait for Speed 3. He'll agree to it one of these days. Yeah. That was my wife's idea. Uh, that uh, Keanu Reeves has agreed to so many sequels. Yeah. That I wouldn't be surprised if we got a, a you know, point breakier. I don't know. <laughs> uh, or li- liaisoni. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So hooray, Max. Can you I'm give me a some French t- aristocrat? 
No, the other one, the junk drawer. The junk drawer. No, no, right next, yes, that one. You don't know which one's our junk drawer? It's the drawer with all the junk in it. I am shocked that you didn't instantly know that, but that's okay. If anything, it's my fault. I'm the parent. Uh, so, Bonnie. Yes. Uh, so my wife is gone, so, of course, I've been partying my ass off. Uh, you know, every night, just so many different women and, uh, and stuff. Oh, man, it's been like Playboy Mansion all up in here. Wait, that was a weird, that was weird. That was well, weird, the play. No, I'm just... I'm I'm just thinking about in 2020 the idea of the Playboy Mansion, you know? Yeah. The idea that like, oh, here's where a rich person lives with the with the 65 younger women that he fucks. Yeah. It's fine. This is totally okay in our uh, in our uh, current society. Like, how fucked up is that? But. So, so... Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's strange, because, like, because that... Like, again, that's something that at at first is really kind of groundbreaking and breakthrough and a part of the whole sexual revolution. And then you just start coming back around again. It's almost like, well, we don't... We just don't need that anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Just like, just like, like right now, it's very important for people to speak out about their sexualities because they have been so silenced for so long. Okay? Yeah. But if we ever get to a rational place in society, and that's really fucking doubtful, but if there is a bright, shiny future then speaking about your sexuality would then become just kind of annoying. Yeah. Because you're not telling me anything. You're like, you might as well say you're Libra. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, yeah. It, because it has gotten to a point where it's just a non-issue. Yeah. The way that I used to always look at sexuality is that you know, my sexuality the only people that need to know are me, my wife, and the midget that my wife pays to watch us have sex. Those are the only people who need to know about my sexuality. So for the longest time, I wouldn't say I was in the closet, but that I, I don't know, I was just from a different age and I felt that, you know, your sexuality is, like if you want to share your sexuality, great. If you want to embrace your sexuality and make it an important part of who you are, that's fine, but I don't have to. Yes. If I don't want to, and I didn't want to. But now I'm trying to come out. Uh, I'm gender fluid. Sometimes I'm a woman. Most of the time I'm a dude. I'm pansexual. I, and I'm also just fabulous. Just period. But I, I'm trying. Think everybody's always known. Yeah. So I'm just, I, I'm, I'm trying to be more out about certain aspects of my life. Uh, so what was I saying? Oh, uh, speaking of my wife, my wife is in upstate New York, 
in hold on i nailed it earlier in the show you did. You hold did. on uh you got schenectady 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 all right yeah. and okay. the crowd goes so, wild yeah so my wife was one of the was uh my wife didn't start a publishing company but my wife was one of the people who helped start a publishing company and it it publishes uh, original work of fan fiction writers and it's very lgbtqia friendly it's called duck prince press uh hold on a second uh where's where's my is it here no it's on my computer oh hold on okay so hi everybody uh okay ruth bader ginsburg and gun violence this, this while you're looking this new camera really gets great color dude yeah there you go that is the logo of duck prince press it's a duck that's the duck prince press logo and uh yeah so my wife is in new york working with Duck Prince Press, and uh, it's all very impressive. I'm not at all jealous. I went to New York myself. I was seven, and I remember nothing. Yeah. Uh, except I remember uh, a guy peeing in an alleyway. Oh, And that's cool. about it. That's mm -hmm. good. <laughs> Yeah, so my wife's in New York, and uh, she left on Wednesday. She left so early on Wednesday that, that by the time I woke up at 6.30 a.m. to get our youngest ready for school, they were gone. So uh, we've been without Natasha Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, and today is uh, Sunday as we are recording this. And I was really excited because tomorrow during the afternoon, Max and I were going to go on a tiny little road trip and we were going to go pick up mom. But uh, there is some nasty ass fucking storms headed our way. Headed I, I to the Midwest. saw that briefly on Twitter as I was passing by. Yeah, there's some nasty storms headed towards uh, uh, Texas and Oklahoma and uh from from 6 p.m. on, there's a flood warning from 6 p.m. to 4 in the morning. Okay. And right now, you know, it's a pretty nice day, but it's starting to get windy as hell. There's also, uh, we're in a possible area where tornado tornadoes might appear. Yeah. It, the the chance is very slim, but there's a possibility that a tornado might come by, which I'm really excited about. I'm really excited to drop a house on a bitch. Yeah. There you go. And then and then steal her shoes. So. Which is what happens in a tornado, and there'll be a uh, little people like Hornswoggle, and they'll be like singing, and I'm really excited about that. Yes, Maxwell. Uh. So, so if the tornado comes, I know what to, be to do. Prepared for a bunch of toasts lying everywhere. Yeah. 
So, so here's what you do in case of a tornado, kids. Now that I've got you here, uh, there are so many tornadoes in, in Arizona. Just, there's like a tornado a week. So I know so much about tornadoes. So let me tell you what to do. Duck and cover. That's what you do. Also, cover yourself with wet newspaper and wait until the blast has subsided. And then if you see a tornado that's, that's coming your way, this is what you do. Uh, you throw a cow in it. And then the tornado eats up the cow. Just w make sure you throw a tornado and not a shark, because then you got a sharknado on your hands, kids. And you don't want that to happen. I don't know that much about uh, tornadoes, but uh, yeah. So there's a possibility a tornado might come today. And they're saying uh, up to four inches of snow, uh, of, of snow, of fucking rain. The crazy thing is, is that the, with the goddamn global warming, the, the, the tornado season is like March, April, May. And here we are in October and we could be hit by a tornado. So it's really freaky. The kids are freaking out. Not me, because I am, of course, a rock. Yes. I am just, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm known for being a lot of things. I'm known for being stoic. I'm known for being humble. Out of everyone in the family, I'm probably the most humblest of everyone in the family. So, and then Monday, it's supposed to calm down. But then Tuesday and Wednesday, we're supposed to be hit with more shit. And so Natasha's flight, I think, got canceled because she was flying from Connecticut to Dallas. And apparently, first off, a bunch of, I saw on Twitter that just a bunch of flights are getting canceled, number one. And then number two, because of the bad weather, like no one's flying into Texas. Because remember, kids, uh, Oklahoma is the emo haircut of Texas. <laughs> so here's Texas. And we just sort of hang right here. Like, Texas is like, hey, what up? My name's Zach, you know? So, so Texas and I, we're both getting hit. Texas and Oklahoma are both getting hit with shit. So now the earliest that my wife can come home from New York is Thursday. And I'm super fine with this. Everything's fine. I love taking care of these kids from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep. It's not stressful. It's not hard work because it's not work. It's just being a parent and I love it and everything's fine. And my wife's gone for longer. That's fine. I don't need to go to the movies or have a break. Everything is fine. Everything's fine. So... So everything's great over here. Uh, Eleanor got <coughs> sick yesterday. Let me tell you about yesterday. Eleanor got sick. She she woke up. They woke up early, and uh, five year old, adorable. Uh, they were feeling a bit sick. They got a bit of a stomach bug, and they were like, "Oh no, I need to vomit." So they run to the bathroom as fast as they can. They run to the bathroom, and for whatever reason, instead of saying, I'm going to vomit in the toilet like a regular person. Eleanor decides, I'm going to vomit in our very small trash can. Okay. Our insanely small trash can by the toilet. And in order to open it up, it's got a little foot thing that you push on with your foot. And they tried to press that, and they slipped, and they fell. 
And the moment that they slipped and fell is the moment that the vomit decided to fly. Basically, my five-year-old turned into a vomit-filled Bellagio fountain. Yes. And as they fall is when it all just rips out. So it just became like, just a, just a, and it just sprayed everywhere. The vomit was spraying so much in the sky that the entire Ocean's Eleven showed up and just gave each other slow nods as Claire de Lune played, and they went about their separate ways after a successful heist. So that was, so that was fun to clean up. And then uh, Mal wakes up, 16 years old, and says, I'm going to go for a walk. And they went for a walk outside past the, the, the backyard and to the park. And while they were in the park, they slipped and fell. Uh, and they got stickered. So many sharp stickers all over their oh, pants God, yes. and their legs and in their shoe and on their butt. It, there were so many stickers that they called for my help. And I had to pick up my 16-year-old high school teenager and carry them to the house. It, it, like, there were so many mini emergencies yesterday that I spent the entire day staring at Maxwell, staring at my 10-year-old. Because the way I figured it, Eventually, the shit's going to hit the fan and there's going to be a third emergency. They're like, Maxwell's going to be like, Dad, watch we juggle these chainsaws or some shit. Maxwell's going to be like, what a lighter. I bet this doesn't work. Oops, I lit my bed on fire. Maybe I can put it out with this gasoline. That was a David Bowie reference. Well, that okay? Yep. Yeah, uh, their pants are sitting right in front of me in a bag waiting to be de-stickered. I know that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that was fun. They still have splinters to this day. Then I had to rush to the store and buy tweezers because who the fuck knows where my wife has the tweezers. But it's fine that my wife is gone. Everything's fine. I'm not stressed out. Everything is okay. Yeah. I am doing great. Here's the adorable part is that uh, on the first day, once I woke up Eleanor to go to school, Eleanor said, so mommy is gone? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. But hey, dad's here and we're going to have fun and I'm going to, you know, get ice cream and we're going to hang out and it's going to be fun. And Eleanor said, daddy, can, do you think, can you get your phone and text other mother my female persona. Yeah. Can you text yeah. other mother and see if she can come over to uh, make me dinner and tuck me into bed? And I'm like, sure. I, I can probably get other mother to show up. And so I, on the first, you know, then I pick Eleanor up from school and Eleanor says, Dad, uh, Hunter got a haircut. And he let me touch the hair, and it was really soft. And today we got to go to music class, and uh, we got to watch a video, and I don't remember what it was. And then for lunch, we had pizza. And I'm like, that's really great. Sounds like you had a wonderful day. 
Did you get into any accidents? Did you hurt yourself? Nope. Did you get in trouble? Nope. Good. I'm really happy that you had a good day. And then later, right before it's time to cook dinner, I go into the bedroom and I get all dressed up and um, my female persona comes out, which the kids have dubbed other mother, like the creepy mother with the button eyes from the movie Coraline. Yeah. And so uh, Other Mother comes out, and Eleanor, being adorable, said, Other Mother, hi, I missed you. So today at school, Hunter got a haircut, and he let me touch it, and it was really soft. And for lunch, we had pizza, and we got to go to uh, the gym, and we uh, had music class, and it was really fun, and I didn't hurt myself at all. And the reason, and then the reason why they did this is because in their mind, I am literally two different people. And so Eleanor had to tell other mother how their day was because they hadn't told other mother. They just told daddy. And that's fucking adorable. (laughs) And I love that so much. So, yeah, now every night, other mother comes and uh, makes food and tucks them in. And I think it's helping. Yeah, you like it when other mother shows up? Uh, they, they drew a picture, and it's right here on a napkin. Not sure why a napkin, but that is, that is other mother, a.k.a. me, and that's them. And they even spelled out, love uh, uh, other mother, uh, Ellie, says right there. So uh, Eleanor said, Daddy, can you hold this and uh, give it to Other Mother when Other Mother comes tonight? So, Oh, you want to give it to Other Mother? Okay, that's fine. You can absolutely give it to Other Mother because uh, it, it's adorable how good you are at separating. Oh, and you made this one for me. Okay, so uh, which one is Daddy? This one is Daddy? Oh, this is Daddy. That one's me. And this one is Eleanor. Oh, good job. Thank you, Eleanor. I love these drawings. You're really good with napkin art. So, yeah, so that's been me. How are you, Bunny? Well, I don't know. I I mean, it's adorable, but... Is it okay? Eleanor, you know that I'm Mother Mother, right? To see you as two separate... Evil, you know? Yeah. I think that it's I think that it's good. I think that it's cute and I think that it's adorable. You know? I I I like to think that it's the three faces of Foley. The what? Mick Foley was mankind and then also dude love and then also cactus jack. That's me. I could be in a Royal Rumble three times. I can be Mr. Steve, Reverend Steve, and other mother. I dig it. Yeah. I think it's cute. Yeah, well, what the hell do I know about kids anyway? You know, but just seeing you as two separate people. I mean, if they, if they could see it the same way as Mick Foley, that's fine, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's what that is. They know that I'm me, and that I'm still me when I'm a woman. Okay. If anything, I think that's healthy, and other people should be like that, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I could see it that way. I was going to get dressed up uh, as Other Mother uh, because it's the Woodmist episode of the Pope on film, but yeah. I was just tired. Didn't want to. Didn't feel like it. They, yeah. when, when I was trying to come out not it, it, as gender fluid, I dressed up a lot at home and, you know, came out to my wife, came out to my kids, came out to my grown kids. And it, it, it took and I dressed up a lot because I was finally, you know, coming out and being who I was. And and so I dressed up a lot. But now that I have come out, I don't dress up as much because it's like, OK, I'm gender fluid and I can be a woman. Or stay in these fucking pajamas <laughs> and scratch my butt and be a guy. So I, I haven't been dressing up as much, but Eleanor has done a really good job of bringing out the, the female me. Because Eleanor just feels better when there's a mom here and mom's yeah. not here. So other mother is here and it's been helping out and I really like it. I look really good in, uh, in, in an apron. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Maxwell. Uh-huh. Yes? Oh. What? That is a compliment and it's true. Thank you, Maxwell. I look good in an apron. Yeah, so that's so that's that's me. That's been this week. How are you, Bunny? Not 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 the best week for you. Not, yeah. not the best. On not the, the best. scale of one to ten, what would you give it? What, what's the what's the I don't know, uh, six or seven. My, my, my wife purchased me, uh, a toy. Yeah. And I've been playing with it a lot, and it's been helping me. Let's say it's like a fidget spinner. It's a stress-relieving device. (laughs) Okay. Uh, yeah. That's about as much as I, I've, I think. I've seen ads for such products. Yeah, works so, great so, on the neck, from what I hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so that's been helping me out a lot, relieve some of the tension. Yeah. So yay! So that's been me. Cool. Jeannie's still sick, so that's not good. Really? Uh, first episode of Daphne is done. Looks good. Saw it. Really good. Like it. Yeah, quirky. Next one will be better, but, you know, that's the whole point. Yeah. You know, I've been doing a little bit of experimenting in between, so I think that'll, that'll be helpful. Yeah. And that's about it. Uh, Woodmas, we're going to have a, a Woodmas thing. After the show, it's going to be 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Because you do the conversion, man. <laughs> so shortly after we finish with this show, I'm gonna I'm gonna run that. So the Reverend will have a few words to say, and then we're yes. gonna run Plan Nine. Then he's gonna have a few more words to say, and then we're gonna show I woke up early the day I died. And then the Reverend turns into Maxwell or something. Yes. 
and closes us out. Yes. Good stuff. So, what's on the chap? Uh, it's a short chap. It's a short episode. But it's about a national treasure who deserves a... He's a hero, and we're going to be discussing him. Uh, okay. An unsung hero in American society that more people should be talking about. Well, you've got my curiosity up. I say we get on over there. Alrighty. Yeah. And until next week. Self-adhesive tape? Yes, please. Yay, I like that. And cut on that. And cut on that. Buddy! Yes! If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays in this day and age? But only real fans, true hardcore fans, who have been with us since the beginning would know two things about us. Two fundamental facts. Two absolutely really real and in no way made up facts about the both of us, America's hottest will they or won't they couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, Bunny, is the fact that when you are not doing the podcast, you're working hard on your Etsy site, which is really impressive. So tell us, Bunny, what have you been knitting and or crocheting this week? Uh, well, I... Well, it's it's not knitting or sewing, of course, but I am I am taking human phalanges and making sculptures of our presidents out of them. So nice. I, I've I've just been doing Jimmy Carter, you know, and Jimmy Carter back when he was younger, and it's a younger version of him. He had the space between the teeth, so yeah. it, it uses up a little less human bone. Good, good, good. You know, you gotta conserve. What's that? You gotta conserve, you know? You know, because it's kind of hard to get finger bones, and in particular, it's got to be the finger bones. Yeah. Because I'm an artist, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, And the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller, so what I like to do at this point in the podcast is find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximation! Or Shap, as I like to call it, Repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not, personally, I like the name Shap because it's short and cute and to the point. And speaking of short, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be doing a short, sharp, a short, sharp Shap uh, designed to shine a much needed light on a true American hero, a man named Nathan Williams. 
Who is Nathan Williams, you may ask? Well, he's only a goddamn national treasure! He is a hero! Okay. And he deserves our respect. Nay, the nation's respect. And, uh, we need to talk about him and the thing that he has done for us all. But before we get to Nathan Williams and what he has done, we need to talk about a movie that's near and dear to my heart, and I believe it's near and dear to yours too, buddy. A little film that some people may have heard of called The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. So Richard O'Brien was an out-of-work actor in London in the 70s, and to keep himself busy during his long stretches of joblessness, he wrote a musical that would be both a tribute to old B-movies and old uh, movies that he used to see, uh, science fiction double features. Uh, it, it, not only would the film, would the musical be a tribute, to those old B-movies, but it would also be an outlet by which he could deal with his own issues with his own sexuality. The play would come to be known as the Rocky Horror Show, and it was first staged by Australian director Jim Sharman, who cast uh, fellow Australian Nell Campbell, Tim Curry, O'Brien himself, and Patricia Quinn, the play was a hit and toured all over the globe. And in 1975, Hollywood came a-knocking. Lou Adler, a recording company owner, uh, saw the play in late 73 and immediately bought the U.S. theatrical rights. Uh, it, and so in fall and winter of 1974, the film version of the stage play began filming at Oakley Court, which was an old mansion uh, where they used to film all of the, a bunch of the old Hammer films, you know, yeah. Peter Cushing and all of that. And at the time of filming, Oakley Court was in such bad shape that a good portion of the roof was missing. So just to be clear, when you see the time warp sequence... Just know that it's late October in England and there's no roof and everyone is dancing and freezing to death and Susan Sarandon has pneumonia and wants to fucking die. Yes. This is something that I think about a lot. Just know that that is the case when you are watching the time warp that everyone loves. I liken it to the first hour of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, well, join, thank you for joining us in our three-hour live broadcast of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Now, the parade will be starting super far away in New York, and we have our cameras set up at the exact end of the parade. So the parade will take about an hour to get to where we are. So in the first hour, we will be uh, interviewing stars of upcoming NBC shows. So I can't wait for this year's Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Hello, I am Al Roker, 
here talking with the stars of the new NBC hit La Brea. Yeah. Uh, so the new show La Brea just uh, just premiered on NBC. It's a sci-fi action show in which there's an earthquake in La Brea, which is uh, in L.A. somewhere. And uh, a bunch of people fall through the cracks in the ground and end up in like <coughs> 1000 B.C. How did they get there and how will they ever get back? Yeah. Is it time travel? Is it an alternate universe? A wormhole? I don't know, but I can already see the small but vocal fan base starting a Netflix Please Save La Brea campaign when it's canceled in one to two years. Yeah. It's just one of those NBC loves uh, premiering extravagant high-concept sci-fi shows that will get canceled in one to two seasons. Yeah. Hi, The Cape. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, can't wait for, yeah, can't wait for this show to be canceled. It just got, it has a, it has an, a, an NBC canceled stink all freaking over it. But anyway, so, so the first hour of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, they have Broadway musicals come and do shows outside. And it's like, you're doing, you've got uh, half naked dancers dancing on a wet, on wet pavement. And it's 38 degrees. Yeah. And raining. And you've got half-naked dancers on the street. This is, is... So imagine that, but now have them do it 35 times in a row, and that's the time warp. Well, but, you, but the one thing about it is you know they're dancing their asses off. You bet your ass they are dancing their asses off because they're trying to not get freaking hypothermia and die. I'm, yeah. I'm sure just before they're begging, can we start dancing yet? Can we start dancing? Can we fucking dance already? Yeah. Meanwhile, Susan Sarandon's near freaking dead. So the movie was released on August 15th, 1975. The Rocky Horror Show is now the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Critics hated it. Newsweek called it, quote, tasteless, plotless, and pointless. No arguments here. And the San Francisco Chronicle said that it lacked charm. And the New York Times called it a low-budget freak show. The New York Times called it that, not our beloved movie reviewer, Vincent Canby. Apparently, he was too busy to review this movie. The film was dead on arrival. Well, well, and I, I think Freak Show might be pretty on target. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so the movie was dead on arrival and considered a massive bomb. However... This is what happens with movies. This is what happens. Hey, I am a movie studio. We're going to give this film a big, wide release. Let's say 3,000 theaters. And there you go. The movie will be playing in 3,000 theaters for a week, <coughs> two weeks. Maybe after the two weeks, it goes down to 2,200 theaters. Maybe the week after that, it goes down to 1,000 theaters. And then it goes into what you call limited release. Okay, 
these 30 theaters are going to still show it because for whatever reason, I don't know, people are loving this movie in Schenectady. So, uh, so then it goes down to 20 and then 10 and then eventually the studio says, okay, now we're going to pull the film and we can work on the VHS and the laser disc and the DVD and the what have you. Um, but that never happened with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It went into limited release and the theaters that still had it started showing it, doing late night showings, and those late night showings started growing in popularity. The movie came out in 1975. By 1978, the Rocky Horror Picture Show still had not been pulled from theaters and was playing in over 50 locations at midnight across America. Uh, and the and then a year later, that number would balloon from 50 theaters to over 200 theaters nationwide. And because of this massive cult following, the Rocky Horror Picture Show has been in continual limited release over 45 years after it initially came out, making it the longest-running theatrical release of all time. It was never pulled from theaters. Nice. And that just doesn't happen. So the Rocky Horror Picture Show came out in 1975 and stayed in theaters, period. This just does not happen. It was never pulled from theaters by 20th Century Fox. And to this day, it continues to play in theaters. There was a scare in 2019 when 20th Century Fox was purchased by the Disney Corporation. And Disney uh, is in that mind frame where uh, this is how you make money by not releasing movies to theaters for a long time and then releasing it on DVD. We call it the Disney Vault. We're pulling all of the 20th Century Fox films. You can't go see aliens in an in a old-timey uh, movie theater anymore. You yeah. can't go see, I don't know, this other 20th Century Fox film. I don't know, Predator. Is that one? I don't know. You can't go see Predator at like a college art house cinema anymore. And so they're pulling movies from theaters. And then people were like, oh, no, uh, is Rocky Horror Picture Show going in the goddamn Disney vault next to Pinocchio and the racist fucking Dumbo crows? <laughs> but Disney said, like, but Disney went, shit, okay, we'll make one single exception for the Rocky Horror Picture Show, so few. Rocky Horror Picture Show has played in theaters continuously since 1975. This brings us to our hero, Mr. Nathan Williams. Okay. The, Clint the Clinton Street Theater is a movie theater in Southeast Portland, Oregon. It is one of the oldest continually operating movie theaters in the entire country having opened in 1914, and it is still in business. That is fascinating. I love old-timey movie theaters. Yeah. And the Clinton Street Theater, Jesus, that's been 
uh, in business for a long ass time. The Clinton Street Theater has also been doing weekly showings of the Rocky Horror Picture Show since 1978. In 1978, when the Rocky Horror Picture Show really started getting popular as a midnight movie, a thing you had to see, the Clinton Street Theater picked it up and never stopped showing it. It is one of the longest-running, unbroken streaks of weekly Rocky Horror Picture Show showings in the entire planet Earth. Wow. And the guy who hosts the screenings and also runs the projector is a man named Nathan Williams. And for years and years and years now, Nathan Williams has been running the Rocky Horror Picture Show screenings and running the projector every week at the Clinton Street Theater in Southeast Portland, Oregon. Then, on March 15, 2020, the Clinton Street Theater, like so many other goddamn theaters, had to be closed due to the pandemic. But then our boy, Nathan Williams, was all, wait, okay, so the Clinton Street Theater is closing. All movie theaters are closing. Uh, If the theater closes for the pandemic, sure, every theater is closed for the pandemic, but uh, the streak will be broken, right? I mean, maybe it will still be considered a streak, but there'll be like an asterisk. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, we showed Rocky Horror Picture Show every week, and then asterisk, the theater was shut down for a year because of the pandemic. But but Nathan Williams is like, damn it, I, no. No, I can't let that happen. We have one of the longest running streaks in the history of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I know the theater is closing down because of the pandemic, but like, damn it, I cannot let this stand. This aggression will not stand, man. And so, for 54 Saturdays after March of 2020, Nathan Williams played the Rocky Horror Picture Show at midnight every week in an empty fucking theater so that the goddamn streak of Rocky Horror Picture Show would remain alive even during the goddamn pandemic when all movie theaters were closed, Rocky Horror Picture Show still played every fucking Saturday. And that is because of Nathan Williams. Nice. Nice. Even though the theater was closed, he'd get out the keys, he'd open it up, he'd go into the projector. Exactly at midnight, he would start the Rocky Horror Picture Show in an empty theater to himself. Maybe uh, once he would bring a friend, maybe another time he would bring two friends. But every week, Rocky Horror Picture Show played to, a, to an empty theater to keep the streak alive to keep the flame burning bright for all the current and former Rocky Horror Picture Show fans out there. I lived at Rocky Horror Showings in Tempe, Arizona from like 95 to 97. And now when people write about Rocky Horror being the longest continually running film of all time, there will not be an asterisk 
after that title explaining how the pandemic shut down theaters because the Rocky Horror Picture Show never stopped playing even during the coronavirus lockdown. And the reason for that is because of Portland resident Nathan Williams, a true American hero. Yes. Yes. Nathan This man deserves Williams. our honor and respect. Yes. Because of, because of his work, Nathan Williams gets a shout out. Hold on a second. Nathan Williams! Nathan Williams! That that took longer than I thought because the cat wanted to come in. But there you go. Nathan Williams. You want to show everyone what? Oh. Cut this out. With a knife? Yes. Okay. I really, you really shouldn't be playing with knives, Maxwell. Especially you. Okay. 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 Uh, this is why some of the podcasts. But but that was Shap for this week. Nathan Williams, a hero. Yes. A national treasure. Oh my goodness! I tip my hat to you, good sir. Yes. I mean, goddamn, goddamn. We That's will some spread his thing. word. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan Williams. You are a hero. <laughs> I want to I want to shake his hand and thank him and ask him Do you have any tattoos, Nathan? <laughs> so, a uh, good I want to throw rice in his hair and have it stay in there and like you take a shower and then you take another shower and still like on Tuesday you're finding fucking rice in your hair. <laughs> yes. I'm going to say thank you so much and then boom, rice bomb so that's it for uh, Steve's historic approximations. This week, Nathan Williams is a hero, and he deserves our respect. Next week, we will be talking about the comic series The Phantom and also a small uh, uh, aboriginal tribe. Oh, okay. So that's yes, going to be fun. I, 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 I'm familiar with this story. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that. So join us next week for more Steve's Historic Approximations. And cut on that. Bunny! Yes! Ah! Westworld! So excited to be talking about Westworld. I miss when end credits were two freaking minutes. <laughs> God damn! <coughs> that was amazing! I'm so used to end credits taking like 10 minutes because you have to not just give credit to all the people who worked on it, but all the people in the studio who released it and all of their kids and, yeah. all, and just freaking, oh my god! It, like, if the end credits of 1973's Westworld are to be believed, 30 <laughs> people worked on that fucking movie. Like, that's astounding. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. I concur. 
We will be right back with more of the Poop on Film after this. Do 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 the 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 outro. Do 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 and break. Steve here. And this is a lemon. I did a video and I called it the eat it like an apple challenge. I ate through three foods as if it was an apple. I ate a banana without peeling it, an orange without peeling it, and a raw potato. Uh, it was the eat it like an apple challenge. Can you eat it like an apple? Well, I guess this is eat it like an apple too. I've got a lemon. This is the goal. <clears throat> the goal is to look at you, the audience, with no emotion. Eat it like an apple, and that's it. No emotion on this face. And this is going to be difficult. I have a very emotional face. I have a very expressive face. You can always tell how I'm feeling. My face will tell you. So it's going to be difficult to do this. I will not be taking off the sticker, although I like the little bee. I am confident in my ability to do this. To take a bite from this lemon without peeling it and show. No emotion on this face. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can do this. <laughs> I got this, 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 I got this. Hello there. Welcome to my YouTube channel. Oh, this? Oh, it's just, uh, it's nothing. I just wanted, I just want a little snack. That's all. I do enjoy myself a good snack. Oh. Hello. 
of this. Just a little snack I like to eat every once in a while. I can smell it. Yeah. Oh look, some juice. Very tasty. Oh my! Oh, give me a towel. Okay. Give me a towel. Give me a towel. Give me two of them. difficult things I've ever done. Oh! But let me tell you something. If you want to freak somebody out, just stare them directly in the eyes and eat a lemon. I can't wait to see that footage. Mm -hmm. Oh my oh. God. You madman, you But did I did it. Yes! 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 There's a gentleman out there by the name of Jean. Now, Jean is very close to somebody that I know from a long, long time ago. He's a friend of mine, and therefore, Jean, by de facto, we are good friends as well. And now, Jean, I shall read this for you. Rusty Cage. You wired me awake and hit me with a hand of broken nails. You tied my lead and pulled my chain. To watch my blood begin to boil but I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. I'm going to break my rusty cage and run. Too cold to start a fire. I'm burning diesel, burning dinosaur bones, yeah? I'll take the river. Down to still water and ride a pack of dogs. But I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. I'm going to break my rusty cake. Oh, 
Hit like a Phillips head into my brain. It's going to be too dark to sleep again. Cutting my teeth on bars and rusty chains. But I'm going to break. I'm going to break my rusty cage and run. When the forest burns along the road like God's eyes in my headlights. When the dogs are looking for their bones and it's raining ice picks on your steel shore. But I'm going to break. I'm going to break my... I'm going to break... My rusty cage. Hi, I'm not Dora the Explorer. I'm queuing on Karen. I'm different from Dora the Explorer because I'm God's color. White. This is my sidekick, Bunny the Rabbit. Say hello, Bunny. Hashtag Donald Trump. Dora the Explorer has a monkey sidekick, but not me because I come from Kentucky and not some shithole country. Oh, kids, can you count to 11? Well, how about counting to 11 million? Can you do that? Hashtag stop the steal. Because that's how much Trump beat Biden by in the 2020 election, but the Dominion voting machines were rigged by Hugo Chavez and the Zionists and the Chinese government to take down the God-fearing votes of the 90 million Christian Americans who voted for Donald Trump. Hashtag no more. Look up in the sky. Do you see a star? No, you don't. Because stars aren't real. They're just a deep state psyop that's designed to control you. <laughs> Who's trying to control you? Just follow the money. Just follow the money trail. We're talking Bill Gates. We're talking George Soros. We're talking Hillary Clinton. Hashtag Hillary for prison. MTV's Dan Cortez. Hashtag oh, oh. save children. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Hashtag Hail Satan. And other Jewish people. Hashtag save the children. They're trying to mind control you. That's why the masks are there. That's not helping anyone. It's all a conspiracy. A conspiracy to implant chips into your bloodstream so they can know where you are. Jewish space lasers.
I am Sam I am. Sam, I am. Would you like green eggs and ham? Would you like them over there? Or would you like them over here? Would you eat them in a box? Would you eat them with a fox? Would you like them in a house? Would you like them with a mouse? You may like them, you will see You may like them in a tree Would you, could you with a goat? Would you, could you in a boat? I could not like them Those green eggs and ham I cannot stand them Mr. Sam, I am. Would you, could you in a car? Eat them, eat them, here they are. How about in the rain, in the dark, or on a train? This is it! We got stories for our grandchildren! Much, much, much later. Hey, Grandpa, tell me about the time you committed treason. Well, our president was a racist and a rapist, and he lost re-election. So we decided to break into the Capitol and try and hang the vice president, kill a bunch of people. And I saw somebody take a big shit in in a hallway. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a pretty great time, and. And that's my story. That's not a very good story, Grandpa. Well, fuck you, you piece of shit! When mold invades your space, get Concrobium Mold Control. Only Concrobium crushes mold and mildew at its roots, leaving an antimicrobial shield so it won't grow back. Concrobium. Defend your home. Be like water and come back next week or I'll kick your ass.
ESPN presents Westworld. Your attention, please. We will soon be landing at Westworld, the ultimate resort. It consists of three worlds of the past. Locking in now. Worlds where you can live out your every fantasy. There's Roman world, the lusty, decadent delights. Fun fact, this is set in the distant future of 1983. Chivalry and combat in 13th century Europe. And I love that. You know it's the future. Each resort is maintained by I don't know. Apparently the banker, they're apparently Dick Van Patten is in this? I saw this fucking film three times. I have no idea that Dick Van Patten. He plays a character known as Banker. And it's like, okay, I saw the film three times this week. Couldn't tell you who the fuck Dick Van Patten was, but okay, okay. Our robots are programmed to provide you with an unforgettable vacation. Dinner at seven, breakfast is that at six is that who is that who Dick Van Patten was in this? Don't I look no like fucking much here, but we have everything. You mean to tell me he's a robot? He was wearing glasses, was that it? And, and he was like, uh, you want to test me? And then he tries to get into the office and he can't open it first. Potentially dangerous. That's okay, that's fucking Dick Van Patten, okay. Say something, boy. Kill him. Your move. Who did Yule Brenner owe money to? It's designed to provide all this in complete safety. In Westworld, frustration. See the one with the porn stash? It's such a hard time watching this film. Any film that he's in it, because he looks 100% like a 70s porn actor. Like, absolutely. It's not supposed to happen. We know you'll enjoy your stay in Westworld. Yeah. Hold it. He actually got bit by that snake in that scene. He was even wearing like a padding on his arm, but the but the snake bit through the padding. In order to get his face to smoke up when he threw the acid, he actually just threw water and not acid. But Yul Brenner's face was coated in an oil-based makeup, and then on that oil-based makeup, they they spread ground-up Alka-Seltzer on his face. And James Brolin. So when they threw the smoke, his face started smoking. It's the most like. You know when they do like a like a it's the most practical effect in the world and I fucking love it. Okay. And we're back with more of the Pope on film. Act three, buddy! Act three! Act three! The Dread yes. Act 3, the most feared Act 3. Uh, 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 they sing songs. They sing songs of Act 3. Oh, that's a pretty tiara. Uh, hey, Bunny, likes your tiara. Yeah. Um, I got it from the store. You got I'll it from... I have a little tiara yeah. collection. Nice. Yes, Bunny, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film podcast to boot scoot boogie our way into the third and final act of the show. And it is said third act wherein we finally and eventually 
get around to discussing our all-new extra strength and now available without a prescription, Movie of the Week! And this week, we continue our month-long deep dive into Westerns with the 1973 film Westworld! Yes. Da-da-da! First off, an explanation about Bunny's month. Uh, March is my birthday month, and when we get to the month of March, I try and just show movies that I like, movies that I dig. A lot of times we watch weird movies, bizarre movies, bad movies, and uh, when it's my birthday month, I try and just show movies that I dig, that I like, that I want to share with people. And when it's Bunny's month, he likes to teach us and take us places. And so all of so for a, a while now, we've been watching westerns and so we watched el topo which is spanish for the topo it was directed by clint howard i believe uh and then my name is nobody the touching story of a child lost at birth struggling to find his real mom and dad so that was fun uh that was the uh, Manic Pixie Dream Cowboy. And then this week, we are doing Westworld, the 1973 one, and not the Evan Rachel Wood one. Yes. But, Bunny, before we talk about this movie, I want to talk about the TV show. Last week, when you announced that we would be doing Westworld, I started cracking on the 2016 big budget HBO series Westworld and I was like oh we're doing Westworld the original the 70s version with bad special effects and it's cheap and it's dumb and I love it I love that stupid dumb movie and that's why I never watched that big budget HBO Westworld because that was just you know hey Game of Thrones is big we need another Game of Thrones so they did Westworld and they just they lost it up like they, you know, like the TV show Lost, and it's like, hey, here's this big, complicated backstory that we're making up off the seat of our pants. We promise that everything will have answers when we get to the end, and then they didn't yeah. give any answers. But like, like they Game of Thrones did, they lost it, it, and I, I never bothered to watch that Westworld TV show. Let me tell you, I like the original, low budget Westworld. It's the best. Say goodbye, HBO show. And then uh, the the podcast ended, and I was like, "Yeah, never gonna watch that HBO show." Not the thing for me. I like the original, low budget version. It's yeah. kind of like the first Star Wars movie, and then freaking the Force Awakens. I'd rather take the original Star Wars. You know, a, these new this new Westworld isn't for me. I don't even think I'd like it. Maybe I can just download the pilot and watch it. I'll probably hate it. So anyway, I'm in the middle of season two. Okay. And this show is fucking amazing. Really? Holy fucking shit. I, I, I binged the entire first season of Westworld in two and a half days. Wow. I was fucking just roped in. I absolutely loved it. And then I got to season two and I've been taking it slower because season one was great. 
I'm not as excited about season two so far, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how much money was blown on this fucking TV show. Uh, to compare, uh, the season one budget just for season one yeah. cost $88 million to make. The 1973 film's budget was slightly over $1 million. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, HBO's Westworld, they dive so much deeper into who Delos is, what the company is, how the park is run, how the robots were created the other parks it's really intriguing okay. and it's what i want an explanation from especially from watching this movie is how does it work in medieval world and roman world where sensors on a sword really don't work yeah you uh know? yeah uh they explained it very well with the guns. You can't shoot another human. You can only shoot the robots. All of this, okay. So we understand about the guns. It's a fucking well, sword. Um, Roman world and medieval world are not present in the HBO series Westworld. But at the end of season one, you do get a glimpse of it, it's pretty much focused entirely in Westworld, but uh, near the end of season one, you do get a glimpse of their these uh, robots are trying to break free and they're going through the different areas of the Delos headquarters that run everything, and they get they go into a room filled with nothing but samurais. Yeah, and they're like, "What the fuck is this?" and and one of the Scientist is like, it would take too long to explain to you. So you get a glimpse of another world near the end of season one, and then in season two, and then again in season three, apparently, you get a look at the other worlds, and they are in no way Roman world or medieval world, but we'll get to that later, because I have a list. Yeah. But uh, they do explain a lot, and it's a really good show. There's some twists. Ed Harris is in it, and he's fucking amazing. Uh, I was surprised to see... Yeah, I thought I saw his picture when I was scrolling through for artwork. I was surprised that a main he's the character... the role, Ed Harris? Kind of. The, it, it, he is a character known as the man in black, but the similarities begin and end with their all-black outfit. Yeah. So, uh... Oh my god, I just binged that entire first season and the second season I've been slowly watching it. it I was ashamed of how much I dug the new West. <laughs> I got Natasha to watch a bunch of it instead of packing for her trip. <laughs> yeah, really. It's like I really need to pack. I really need to pack. I oh, oh, did he find out yet about her and the so so yeah, it, it, Unfortunately, the new West World is fucking crazy. But uh, okay, so we're not talking. There was a series in the seventies. Yes. Okay. So there was the I movie West World. Yeah. 
there was the movie Westworld, and they made that movie, and it was a big hit. Michael Crichton wrote the wrote it as an original screenplay. A lot of people just assume that Michael Crichton, like, oh, this must be based on a book of his. This must be based on a short story, a fucking novella, something in a magazine. You know, it, people assume that Michael Crichton Stephen Kinged it. Yeah. He did not Stephen King it. If anything, he Stephen he maximum overdrived it. Okay. Because because this is a one hundred percent original story, a screenplay by Michael Crichton, and he made the movie. And and uh, I was gonna write this for the podcast, but I didn't. But apparently, at the time that Michael Crichton was going to sign for Warner Brothers or or uh, MGM to make this film, the MGM people were like. Michael, we're, we really want to be in business with you. And look, there are a lot of rumors out there. A lot of other directors have come forward and said that they were excited to work with MGM. But once they started filming, we started giving them a bunch of shit, giving unreasonable demands, it, it, demanding so many changes. And look, we know we've been... We've been real pieces of shit in the past, but people can change. Yeah. People can change. MGM, we used to be a real piece of shit. Slick back hair, white bathing suit, sloppy steaks at Trapani's, big rock cut of meat with water <laughs> dripped all over it. And the waiters are all, hey, no sloppy steaks, guys. No sloppy steaks. But they can't stop you from ordering a steak and a cup of water next thing you know we're slathering that steak with water getting water all over the table makes the night so much more fun yes so mg mg is like we've changed we're no longer assholes this is going to be a great time and michael Crichton said great we're in business and immediately mgm said great we want you to completely redo the script. We're cutting your budget drastically, and we will not cast the two main leads until 48 hours before the start of filming. Good luck on your first film, fucker! Okay. So, so Michael Crichton was so burned out by making MG, by making Westworld, and MGM gave him so much shit that he was like, you know what? I am just fucking done with movies for a while. But MGM was like, but this is our biggest hit of the year. We need to do a sequel. And uh, uh, Michael Crichton was like, fuck this shit, I'm out. So they quickly just hired, like, I don't know, they just went on the street. Who are you? Uh, you're homeless. Great. You're now the fucking director of Westworld 2. Fucking get in here. We're making a fucking sequel. So they just got some random person, and so they made a sequel called Future World. It is in no way related to Michael Crichton. He disavowed the entire sequel, and he never saw it. And so they made the sequel, and the sequel was a hit, too. Vincent Canby said that the sequel was better than the original. Like, a lot of people hated Future World, but some people were like, hey, this is so much better. This is amazing. So then MGM said, shit, uh, let's do a TV show. So they did a TV show called Beyond Westworld, and I'm assuming it was on NBC only because it lasted like four or five episodes and then it was fucking canceled, and that's NBC's MO. Yeah. 
So they did a TV show, and I, I haven't seen it, but if I'm not mistaken, the TV show ignores the sequel and is a direct sequel to the first film. Okay. And it's like, there's some bad guy, and he has gotten a hold of a bunch of the robots from Westworld, and he's going to use them to take over the world. So here are these two scientists who have to find the robots and stop them, and it's basically a robot of the week. That sounds ridiculous. Yeah, it was. I have to remember to look for it on YouTube, though. Yeah, there's probably episodes there, but yeah. So they did make a TV show. It was not well-remembered, but God damn that HBO show. Fuck! That is amazing, and I fucking love it. Sandy Newton is fucking amazing. But anyway, Westworld! Woo! Westworld. So what are your thoughts, Bunny? Why did you pick this? Uh, what are your thoughts about it? Just hit me. Just spank me with that <coughs> knowledge, Bunny. It's a childhood favorite, basically. One of my early exposures to science fiction movies and what science fiction movies can be. And this was also a pretty big movie when it came out. You know, uh, not like a lot of other movies I was watching. You know, Toho did not have big theatrical releases. Westworld did. Although, looking at it now, it looks really made for TV. Yeah. Doesn't it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I didn't show my 10-year-old son Westworld, but I told him the concept of it, and he got real fucking excited. Yeah. At the idea of, like, you mean to tell me that I can get on a horse and then rob a bank and then shoot and kill a bunch of people and it's okay because they're not real? Sign me the fuck up. Yeah. So, Maxwell's all hyped for Westworld. Hooray. Nice. And it's and it's a movie that's just more fun than our other two, which had, you know, levels of work to them. Yeah. I thought last week's uh, was fun as hell. I love that goddamn yeah. movie. You have, to, you have to go watch the rest of his movies now. Yeah. He was just incredible in that, the star. Uh, what's his name? Treat Williams. Terrence Hill. Trent Terrence Hill. I was close. <laughs> uh, I found my friend. And it's just fun. Again. Yeah. And the idea was fun. Uh, it's it a popcorn really movie. could use a remake. Yeah. It's a popcorn movie. Yeah. The highest... Yeah. The highest grossing uh, movie for the studio in 1973. And man, so many big hits came out of 1973. We're talking about massive cultural touchstones like Godspell, uh, The Baby, Lady Frankenstein, Jonathan Livingston Seagull, and of course the Oscar winner for Best Picture. All classic oh. films. All classic films. Dirk Man, every, everyone remembers where they were the first time they saw Godspell. Or is it Dirk Bogart? What's the I face man's real name? <laughs> I don't fucking remember. So yeah, Westworld is set in the the 
distant future of 1983, and I fucking love that. This film was made in 73. You yeah. made it set in the future 10 years from now? Like, what the fuck? Robots robots have always looked not too far off in the future. They still look that way. The thing the thing that the thing the one thing that upset me about the HBO version of Westworld is that there are hints and small Easter eggs and tiny things that they drop in the HBO show Westworld where if you want to think that this is not a reboot but a sequel to the original 1973 Westworld, you could think that. Yeah. There are little things here and there that can lead some people to think that the 2016 HBO series Westworld is just the 1973 movie Westworld but in the future where they got it all perfect. So one thing that pissed me off is that, damn it, they fixed the hands. Yeah. Now there is literally absolutely 100% no way to tell a human from a non-human. Like there's a twist near the end of season one where it's like, damn, okay, you got me here. But, uh, but yeah, so, yeah, so, I, I love this movie. It's a popcorn movie. Yes, very much so. It's a so. popcorn movie. Yeah. And so, when you're young, like Maxwell's age. That's probably the age I was when I first saw it. Maybe a little younger. Yeah. I dig this movie. It was I also, cool. I also recently told Maxwell the plot of Tron. Yeah. If Maxwell would really dig Tron. Like, yeah. oh, this guy's been sucked into a video game. Like, Tron oh, that's a really one... good movie. Tron is one of my favorite yeah, that's, movies. That's 100% Maxwell's uh, modus operandi. And then they make Tron, right? And then, like, oh, this, this is a uh, special effects milestone, really pushing the boundaries of special effects in films. I can't wait for the Oscar season. And then the Oscar season rolled around, and Tron was nominated for nothing because the Oscar, uh, the the Academy uh, people said, "You made a movie with the help of computers? That's cheating! We're not nominating you for fucking shit!" Wow. And it's like, God damn, dude! I, you can't find a movie now that isn't done with fucking computers. Tron got fucking screwed. Yeah. yeah. Piss me off. Yeah. So okay. So Westworld, it's the the in in the not too distant future. It's nineteen eighty-three. A vague company called Delos has created lifelike robots in a theme park where you can fuck or kill whoever you want for a thousand dollars a day. Yeah. Okay, uh there are Disneyland hotels that cost more than an entire day at Westworld. Yeah. So that's something I was thinking about. So, so there's medieval a, Yeah, and it's funny because at the time it set it up that this was a very rich person place to go. 
Yeah. This wasn't Disneyland, not just anybody. Your, your upper middle class were not welcome. Yeah, so now you see 1973's Westworld and you go, oh, $1,000 a day. So cheaper than Disney World. Good to know. You know? Yeah. Like, like that says a lot. So there's different parks that Delos has to offer. There's Medieval World, Roman World, and West World. I mean, it's not a perfect movie. No. The special effects are laughable. I cannot... I, I, I can't not laugh in that first shot inside of the quote-unquote hovercraft, which is obviously just like like a something being shook in front of a matte painting, you know? Yes. Like a like a they're projecting an image and, and like it looks so cheap that like I can't help but laugh. So the special effects uh, are oftentimes the worst. You don't get a decent, satisfying amount of backstory like, hey, we're gonna spend all of our time in Westworld and I'm like, great. Show me who this fucking company is. Show me how it works. I want more behind the scenes. I want more of how this shit works. Show me more of the other parts. Show yeah. me more of, you know, and, and like there's not that. No. And then what pisses me off is that. It gives you a taste of all of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But not nearly enough. It's, it's a very, it's very glossed over. You know, yeah. you could see them in the control room getting ready to trigger the bar fight. And you could see them in the control room triggering other events in the other worlds. But we don't really get past that. We don't know who Delos yeah. is or anything like that. You know, is there a reason why they're suddenly breaking down? I saw a lot of people... I saw a lot of people online say that, oh, uh, fucking Michael Crichton predicted computer viruses. Because that's what happens. Oh, this it, all of the machines are breaking down and it's spreading from robot to robot, almost like a virus. And it's like, okay, it's a fucking computer virus. Uh, Westworld broke down because uh, McAfee wasn't there to be a crazy-ass son of a bitch. Yes. I can stop the viruses from happening. Also, I live in Cuba now, and I'm doing a ton of coke, and they're going to fucking kill me. So. Uh, <laughs> and then James Brolin is like, hey, I see what's going on here. You're new here. You're not used to things. Just stick with me. I've been here a bunch of times. A ton of times. I'm a regular. Yeah. Oh, no, a bad guy. Let me shoot him. Me, the regular, who's been here a bunch of times. He fucking shoots like a stormtrooper. I thought you said you've been here before. You yeah. can't shoot shit. Meanwhile, the guy with the fucking porn stash that looks like a 70s porn actor is shooting perfectly like an accomplished marksman. Yeah. And that pisses me off. Uh... And then Richard Benjamin, fucking he looks so much. He, he looks, in my mind, I confuse him 
with that one 70s porn actor who also starred in Cannibal Holocaust. I don't remember his name, but the guy who got the one line at the end, the guy who was like, I'm not sure if we should run this footage. Like, he was an accomplished porn actor, and they hired him to be in Cannibal Holocaust so people can say, like, oh, there's a porn actor in this. Uh, Maybe this is real. You know? Yeah. But... But I love this movie. I love this movie. I, I probably saw this when I was like 18 or 19. And it's like, this is dumb and I love it. Yeah. It's not the best movie. It doesn't have the best special effects. doesn't have a big budget. Uh, Michael Crichton wanted like a big no, budget. No, but it and was they a good story. A good science fiction it story. It was. A good original limited story. limited special effects and limited yeah. budget. It was a good story, and they did the best with what they could. And I, I said this earlier, but I love the the practical effect that they did when uh, the porn actor throws the acid on Yul Brenner's face, and they they put a, they covered his face in oil-based makeup and crumbled up Alka-Seltzer on his face. So when uh, the porn actor threw uh, water on his face, it literally steamed up. That is fucking genius, that is genius. brilliant simplistic fucking special effects and I love it but yeah I love this stupid movie fun fact I was shocked to see this the brothel is run by fucking Gene Roddenberry's wife yes well that's another thing about the movie the movie's got a whole lot of faces from the time yeah, fucking well, like, uh, Richard. Oh, it's that guy. Like, I swear, one of the technicians looked a lot like Peter Hoot. Yeah, fucking but Richard. But I couldn't find him uh, on IMDb at all. Because yeah, I fucking Richard, looked. Richard Benjamin, uh, uh, James Brolin, Dick Van Patten, Yul Brenner, fucking Major, whatever her name is. Yeah. I keep forgetting her name because I'm not that big of a Trekkie. Uh, fucking Dick Van Patten. Yeah, this this was a fun ass. And what about movie. the guy? What about the guy near the end? The guy who was he was a Delos employee and he was trapped outside and he was trying to fix his yeah. cart when Richard Benjamin comes riding up. Yeah, you know, he looked like somebody. Fucking, he was a huge face at the time. Yeah. He was on well, well, you could try throwing acid at it for its eyes and, you know, noise for hearing, stupid shit like this. And then the old Brenner rode up and shot him. And then, and then and then the guy's like, there's numerous ways that you could defeat him. You could use fire, you could use acid on his face, you can use sound. Sound would, would uh, loud sounds would uh, make him so that he couldn't hear, so he couldn't be able to get you. And then Richard Benjamin goes, acid! Gotcha! Yeah. And never uses the sound. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay, well, I thought you were going to do a Venom thing and start making loud noises and the symbiote would freak out. And but I this always, movie... In, in any acid-throwing scene, I really always have a logistic problem of how do you not get that shit on your hand? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Anyone who throws acid needs a pair of fucking gloves. Yeah. 
But movies so it don't gets show more that. more complicated than it sounds. <laughs> Maybe this movie... if you throw the whole jar. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And then you get... Uh, and then the and then the glass cuts your face, and then the acid goes into the cuts, and then your face explodes like <laughs> like like Riccio. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's talking about Squid Game on Netflix. Yeah. The Korean show Squid Game. Uh, Mal binge watched it, got really into it, and everybody's talking about it. But I haven't bothered to watch it because I read the original novel Battle Royale and watched Battle Royale and watched Battle Royale 2. So I don't think I need to watch Squid Game. Yeah. I'm a Battle Royale fan. It's kind of so getting I, big. How long has it been since Battle Royale? It's starting to seem a generational thing. Yeah, I'm starting to think that Squid Game is just is just a, a less fucked up battle royale. Like, to every battle... generation, you have to have this story. So, for us, it was kind of battle royale. For people a bit younger than us, it was Hunger Games. And now we're yeah. coming into a new generation, and it's Squid Game. And it's the same story, but, like, each generation has to retell this story. Yeah. I like still each like. Each generation has to retell Frankenstein. Each generation has to retell Dracula. Yeah. I still like my idea for a Battle Royale spinoff of an island which is filled with every famous dog. Yeah. Rin Tin Tin, Snoopy, Scooby Doo, fucking. Benji, who has really become Benji. forgotten in his time. Yeah. Clifford, the big red dog. Uh, the fucking three-headed dog, Fluffy, from Harry Potter. Every famous dog is there, and they all have to kill each other until one dog is left standing. I think it would be Snoopy. A lot of people would say Clifford because he's got the height advantage, but the way that I see it, all the other dogs would gang up on Clifford just like every time Andre the Giant was in a battle royale. Yeah. Was in a royal rumble. It's like, shit, let's we all hate each other. We got to team up on Andre the Giant first, right? Okay, yeah. let's throw that motherfucker out. Then we can continue with the match. And so Snoopy I... is fucking crafty as hell. Yeah. Look. Yeah, he is. Snoopy took down the Red Baron. Dino Mutt. He's got all the fucking gadgets, too. That's another, like, dark horse yeah. that could take this whole thing. Yeah. But, okay, so this movie... Westworld. It seems rushed as hell, and I did some looking into it. Yul Brenner did this for just $75,000. What $75,000? You know what? That's kind of fuck? what I was thinking. That's kind of what I was thinking in my brain. Like, that you said it was made for just me. over a million, right? I could... If you wanted... Tommy Wiseau to be in your film for 30 seconds, it would cost more than to have Yul Brenner star in fucking Westworld. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? And then they didn't cast the two human leads. They weren't cast until 48 hours before filming. 
It was filmed in a tight 30-day schedule, and then it was rushed into theaters just five months after they finished filming. So this whole movie seems like it was rushed the fuck into theaters. Yeah. Uh, and am I correct in thinking Which is that... Like, well, why? I why? I, I, I mean, I can see... It I rushed, can see but it definitely feels. Rushing Armageddon out into the theaters because you have Deep yeah. Impact, a, hot, a very similar movie coming out right on its heels. I could see rushing out Tombstone and Wyatt Earp as quick as you can. Why the fuck are you rushing out Westworld? I do not fucking know. I do not fucking know. But they definitely yeah. rushed the shit out of this. I did. I did some investigating. This film was fucking rushed as hell. Am I correct in thinking that Westworld is just for the people who want to be violent and Roman world is for the people who just want to fuck? Mm, basically, that's what it seems like. I mean, I imagine that Roman world is just fucking drinking wine and occasionally stabbing some senator in the back. Yeah. Right? Like, what else is there to do? I understand, like, medieval world. Okay, there's damsels, there's knights, there's jousting. There's sword fights. There's probably a fucking wizard. You go, yeah. there's probably evil people in a fucking cave somewhere. Uh, fucking, I get that. Westworld, okay, uh, you could be a white hat or a black hat. That's an important decision in the HBO Westworld. Is yeah. that before you get into Westworld, the last thing you do is pick your color of hat. Okay. And it says a lot about what you are going to do in Westworld. But, like, what is fucking Roman world? Just fucking people? Fucking girls and guys? And then going to a vomitorium? Is that, like, all there is? I don't get Roman world. Yeah. Go watch Gladiators. But watching 1973's Westworld helped me because the people sitting behind the two leads are, like, a couple, and the, the intro is talking about medieval world with knights and damsels. And the husband's like, ha, 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 yes, honey, this is going to be great. Can't wait to go to medieval world. And also, there is decadent Roman world. And then it's a close-up of the husband going, shit, I wish I could be there instead. <laughs> so I'm assuming that it's like, okay, honey, bye. I'm going to go to Westworld. You know how much I love being cowboy and yeah. fighting bandits and uh, okay bye one for roman world please i want to do a lot of fucking anal <laughs> i want to get drunk off my ass and have crazy fucking sex so i'm assuming that's what roman world is yeah okay so i've got a list okay um in ninth in the 1973 universe there are three parks there are Westworld, Medieval World, and Roman World. Then in the 1976 sequel, Future World, there is the same three parks, Westworld, Medieval World, and Roman World, but they've added another one, Future World. Oh, everything's chrome. We're in fucking space, fucking Moonraker. See, I, I would have fun there. Yeah, that makes sense. I imagine it's like, like, it's like, Logan's Run meets the Black Hole, you know? But I don't, I, I don't think that they are being creative enough in that 
they can drop you into a whole narrative. So they can drop you into the Marvel Universe. They could drop okay. you into Stephen King's world. You know, they're not being imaginative enough, okay. just taking a time and a place. You are really skipping ahead in my list. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. So let me continue. So we've got four worlds already on this list. West world, medieval world, Roman world, and future world. Then in the 2016 HBO series Westworld, there are other lands, including that they get rid of West uh, Roman world and, and uh, medieval world and future world. What they have are some oddly specific ones. There's one world called the Raj, which is India colonized by the British. So, uh, so that's one world. I guess if you want to ride uh, elephants and shoot at tigers with a shotgun, you go to yeah. the Raj. Uh, then there's Shogun World with samurais and shit. Okay, that might be fun. I would, I would like to go to Samurai World only if Tom Cruise is there and I get to cut him. Mm-hmm. With a knife. Because he was the last samurai. He was the yes. last samurai. Or 57, <clears throat> 57 samurai? I don't know. And then the last one is called War World. This is shown in season three, apparently. And I haven't gotten to it yet. It is Italy under Nazi occupation. Okay. And I am frightened to think of how goddamn popular fucking Nazi world would be. Yeah. Like, at first, I'm like, oh, my God. So War World is just Nazi-occupied Italy? Who would want to be in Nazi world? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people yeah. would want to go to Nazi world. It would be very popular with cops. Yeah. And fucking P.E. teachers. P.E. <laughs> yeah, but uh, fuck it. It's 2021. We're making some new parks. I asked my kids for help. And of course, the, the first thing out of Maxwell's mouth, you already called it funny. Fucking, oh, Westworld. Uh, 1920s gangster world. Yeah. Uh, 50s world. Everyone has slick back hair and everyone's snapping. Fuck it. Marvel world. Yeah. It's just a recreation of New York City where you're walking down the street and oh my god, here comes fucking Galactus. You now have powers. You've got to team up with these superheroes. If you don't want to stay in New York, just go uh, past that. Oh, look, now you're in Queens. There's fucking Spider-Man. He needs your help. There's yeah. uh, the fucking Brooklyn Bridge. Go past that through the, the, the water, through the ocean. Oh, now you've gotten to an island. What is that? It's fucking Latveria. Doctor Doom is there. He's trying to kill you. The Fantastic Four show up. It's an entire world of just Marvel. If, if Westworld... If they had that technology, they wouldn't be creating these new storylines and shit. Fucking, oh, there'd be Avatar World. There'd be fucking Star Wars World. All of that shit. Yeah. But I would dig Marvel World. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's, a, here's another one that Maxwell came up with, which I don't hate. 
Mario World. Mario World. That, that would be kind of fun. Getting a, getting a. Oh, I'm gonna hit this block. There's a leaf in it. Now I can fly. I'm gonna go fight this dragon Bowser monster, and I'm gonna save a princess who's gonna kiss me. And then, oh look, now I'm in the water. Like that would be really fun. Riding Yoshi. Yeah. And like you could take, and like there would be like things you get, and you could like bring power. Yeah, you could shoot fire, and like that would be a lot of fun. I mean, maybe oh, not, maybe really. not Mario World for the main theme park, and maybe not Mario World for a whole weekend, you know. But maybe over on one of their their uh, franchises, you know, they or could maybe have, like a Mario Day or something like that. Or maybe, I just came up with this, uh, Westworld, Delos is now for kids. You can come and enjoy uh, Westworld and Roman World, and you can bring your children. They'll have fun in Mario World, which in my mind is Fruity Land from Rick and Morty. And like you can fall from a great height and you're just going to bounce. Oh, yeah. I can't be hurt. I can't. Oh, I just hit you with a fireball. That does nothing because this is a kid-friendly version of a Westworld. Well, what about Kingdom like a video Hearts? game world? Like Doesn't Kingdom Hearts yeah. have a whole lot of really weird yeah. like characters? Yeah, like a Disney world. Yeah, like Kingdom Hearts. So Eleanor came up with two uh, parts, like five-year-old. Eleanor came up with two parks, my five-year-old. One of them was a great idea that I helped her with. Uh, first off, Unicorn Land. There's unicorns. You can ride them. Everything is sparkly. There's a lot of glitter. Eleanor was really excited about Unicorn Land. But then she came up with an idea for, like, Scary Land, and it, where everything's scary. And Bendy is there from the video game, Bendy and the Ink Machine. And so I took that idea and I reworked it. Horror Land. Yeah. And it's a small town in small town America. And you live on Main Street. And it's <coughs> Halloween night. And whatever monster you can think of is there. Yeah. And, and like, it, in my mind, it's like a live-action Fortnite, except you're trying to be killed by, like, oh, my God, here comes Mike Myers. I better run. Oh, shit, there's Jason. I better run. Oh, shit, there's Slenderman and fucking whatever. That would be fun yeah. to try and, like, try your hand at escaping Predator and the Killer Tomatoes. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, it's Jason. And who's that with him? Oh, no, it's... Killer clowns from outer space. Fucking okay. I'd be fine with that. Eleanor, you're covering up my list. So here are some ones that I came up with. Uh, Shrek World. Okay. It's a big swamp. It's a big swamp. You can hang out with a donkey. You can eat bugs. I'm, I think that would actually be very popular. This one is my favorite, 80s porn world. <coughs> Yeah. A lot of plumbers and pizza delivery guys. Yes. Uh, Garfield World. This would be a good one if you want to go on a vacation, but you're also really lazy and enjoy lasagna. Yeah. Because now you could just lie down, take a nap, 
And when you wake up, you can eat a shit ton of pizza and push a dog off a table. Who hasn't wanted that? Yes. And, uh, and yeah, so those are the new parks that me and my children came up with. Some of them are pretty good ideas. Yeah, I like uh, them. Yeah. So, and also, uh, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, I really miss end credits that are just two minutes long. So I, I, I always pay attention to movie credits, and I want to give just a small tribute to the action scene coordinator, a man named Dick Zicker. Okay. Dick Zicker. Z-I-C-K-E-R. If you think you had a rough childhood, just imagine growing up with the name Dick Zicker. Yeah. I imagine kids were not... Kids are cruel. Yes. Especially to someone with the name Dick Zicker. But apparently, I was like, that's a funny name. I'm going to look him up. Holy shit, he is a body double and a stuntman and an action a fight coordinator who has worked on such films as The Blues Brothers, Die Hard, and he choreographed the wrestling scenes in Man on the Moon. Really? Yeah, fucking Dick Zicker is still alive and still kicking. He was a body double in Godzilla 2, The Dark World. The, the, the Godzilla film with King Ghidra in it. He was yeah. a body double in that. Dick Zicker is still around. So I just want to nice. say, you know, kudos to Dick Zicker. Yes. You know, he did Westworld. He still kept going. So anyway, they made a sequel to Westworld, which is fucking ridiculous, because, hey, if you have a park with robots and robots killed, like, 500 people, I don't think they'd fucking reopen. Okay, see, now, the next one I saw in the theaters. Yeah. I was very young, but I was, I was old enough to be able to handle this kind of movie, Future World, and I was really fucking excited and then I was pretty much bored. Yeah. I'm surprised you know, at how this many This was going to people... be a big special effects thing, you know, showing you the future, and yeah. it wasn't. Hell, fucking Westworld wasn't a big uh, special effects thing. But... This is the first movie to ever show the POV of a robot. This is the first movie that was ever created to show the grainy POV from a robot's point of view. This was the first. And they got the footage and they ran it through some very primitive 1970s computers. Technically, this is the first film with CGI. Really? Yeah. But I find that yeah, fascinating. Nowadays, ran it into a computer and ran it back out those days. Yeah, nowadays you have a movie with a robot in it. You're gonna get one of those shots from the robot's point of view and all the fucking data on the side and fucking yeah. it's all grainy and fucking yeah yeah. This is the first film to ever do that. 
And I find that to be absolutely fascinating. Also, Yul Brenner in this walks very specifically, very confidently, like he has a stick up his ass. Slow and methodical and to the point. And so it was so iconic the way that he walked to uh, try and catch Richard Benjamin that when they made the movie Halloween, the guy who played Mike Myers based uh, Mike Myers's, Michael Myers's walk on Yule Brenner's walk in Westworld. And then when Arnold but Schwarzenegger... He, but wasn't his character from Westworld basically his character from Magnificent Seven? Yes, it is a specific parody. Yeah. Because Yule Brenner's character does do actions and mannerisms in the exact way that his character in The Magnificent Seven does. So I imagine if you were like 22 and you go and see Westworld in a theater the day it came out, you go, ah, I see what you're doing. Yeah. This is funny. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like if you go to Medieval World and one of the characters is fucking, I don't know, one of the guys from Game of Thrones, I imagine, is what that would be. So then when uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger did... What? Sure, sure. So then when Arnold Schwarzenegger did the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger based his Terminator's walk on Michael Myers' walk which means indirectly the Terminator is Yul Brenner. Yeah. Vicariously, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Yul Brenner. They both have the exact same way of talking, ironically. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger's been in this country for freaking 50 years, and he still sounds like he just came off of the boat, and that really yeah. confuses me. Arnold Schwarzenegger was, I, I believe, going to do a reboot of Westworld, but he had to drop out because of uh, a little something called becoming fucking governor. Yeah, there was a lot of talk leading up to the HBO show for, a, yeah. for quite a while. And for a while, just kicking around casting, when I just thought that they were going to redo the movie, I thought Josh Brolin for The Gunslinger would have been fucking awesome. Oh, that would have been great. On so many different levels. Yeah. He would make a kick-ass gunslinger just, yeah. by, just by the way. And yeah. he would be a departure from the Yul Brynner look. Yeah. And it would also be a really subtle nod to the previous movie. Yeah. That would have been fucking amazing. But yeah, that's all I've got for Westworld. I love this movie. It's fucking awesome. And I love it. I'm worried if the way that you are uh, uh, doing all of this is that, hey, the first week we're doing the best Western movie that we would like. The week after that, here's the second best Western that I think that you'll really dig. And now we're here no, with that's Westworld. Not how we're, that's not our trajectory. Uh, okay. This is this next one is not necessarily my favorite, or I'm okay. saying it's the best. But we're going from more serious to more lighthearted. Okay. 
So you okay. start off with El Topo, and that's about as serious as a movie as you're going to get. Yeah. My Name is Nobody is not without its seriousness, but it's more lighthearted than El Topo. Yeah. This is more lighthearted and fun than either one. So um, we're going out on a laugh. Okay. Is one last fact. One last fact about Westworld that I forgot to say. Yes. Uh, the Western set looks really fucking cheap. Yes. Because they literally... It, they reused costumes, they reused special effects. So when it came time to filming the Westworld stuff, they literally just went to the back lot of MGM Studios and said, oh, you have a Western set. Fucking fine. This is Westworld. And, yeah. and, and they did it on purpose because like, okay, if this was a theme park, it wouldn't look 100% accurate. It would look kind of cheesy. And we already have this cheesy set from like the 50s. So fuck it, this is Westworld. And it's so cheesy that Westworld is the same set from fucking Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah? Exact same town, exact same setup. Yeah. So the town from Westworld is the same town from fucking Blazing Saddles, and I just had to say that. Westworld takes place in Rockridge? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So what movie are we doing next week? I'm worried and nervous and excited. Uh, probably what is going to be the closest to a traditional Western. This is mid-60s, starring Henry Fonda and Joanne Woodward. Big hands for the little lady. I have no idea what the fuck that is. <laughs> I okay. think you may enjoy it. Big hand for the little lady? And it is already up on the cough cough. Okay. No idea what the fuck that is, so that's exciting. I feel like uh, this is payback for 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 this week. Because you were like, okay, the next episode we're going to be doing is Westworld. I'm like, fuck, yes! Westworld! <laughs> I love that movie! And then it's like, okay, our next film is Big Hand for the Little Lady. Okay. You're gonna like it. You're gonna like it. There's nothing not to like here. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Big fan of Joanne Woodward. So already, right there. One check. Alright, so that's next week. That is next week. Next week, we're doing Big Hand for the Little Lady. uh, For the Little Lady. (laughs) Uh, I'm also gonna have the kids write the opening again next week, which I think is gonna be a lot of fun. And uh, another shaft. Okay. Uh, this time about the family. I'm not going to make it to the ending. Thing. Keep talking for a little while. Pat okay. it. <laughs> uh, so next week, it's going to be a good episode. Uh, there's going to be a lot. We're going to be talking about Crimea uh, and its its sister, openly weep Mia. Because it's not just Crimea. It's also sneeze Mia. Uh, Mia, uh, Mia, make a pizza pie. I'm just talking at this point. Uh, I would now like to do an impression for you. This is an impression of Jigsaw if he was an eight year old. 
Hello, Mom and Dad. I'd like to play a game. Do, do, do you have any games on your phone that I could play? Please? Okay, can I go play outside on the street? I promise that we get hurt. Thank you. And scene. So next week on the podcast, we're going to be uh, doing another Western, which I'm super excited about. Westerns are the best. I love Westerns because they tell me about my past. Me, a white man. Uh, big hand for the little lady next week. Not sure what that is. I'm assuming it's about someone with just a big ass hand. And he just slaps women around. I don't know. So then, uh, so that's going to be exciting next week. But now that I'm looking back at this week, wow, we had so much fun, didn't we? Man, we had so much fun. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, but yeah, now that I'm looking back, you know the ups, the downs, the highs, and the lows. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, the Nazis had propaganda. Yeah. The Spider Woman. I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. Yeah. This has yeah. been a damn good episode. Okay, good. I feel I, I I feel the same way, but I didn't want to step on your toes because I feel like you're the person who makes that distinction and not me. But yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steve, and on behalf of Eleanor and Maxwell and Mal and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And you do stop with everything. <laughs> and you, and you robots. Nice. Stop it. And you daddies. Do 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 do